Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold, and today you're going to learn five things that you can do to help you live 10 years longer. So that's going to be a great topic today. Dr. Walt Laramore is my guest. He retired from direct patient care in 2021 after serving for 40 years as a family physician, and he delivered over 1,500 babies. How exciting is that? He's also a very prolific author and has written, co-written or edited 41 books 30 medical textbook chapters and almost 1,200 articles. And he's not only uh, a great uh, physician, but he's a delight to have on the show. Walt, welcome back. Bill, it's great to be with you. Happy summer. Oh, amen (laughs) to that. I tell you, it is so nice. I walked out last night after the show, and there's that kind of that balmy warm air hitting you in the face, and there's very little humidity and no bugs, and it was just amazing. And I thought, yeah, it's summertime. (laughs) <laughs> well, it's kind of our first day of summer here. Actually, I, I'm sitting in my office looking up at Pikes Peak. I'm in Colorado Springs, and there was a blizzard on Pikes Peak <laughs> Monday night. Oh, no. Three to four foot drifts, an inch of, of ice on the roads. Oh, it, wow. That's today nice. is warm, and I'm getting to talk to you, so yeah. life is good. <laughs> well, we're going to chat about five things that will help you live 10 years longer, and I assume one of them is listening to the afternoon show with Bill Arnold. So now we're down to four. I hope we can fill the hour. <laughs> well, it's certainly healthy and healthful. It just doesn't happen to be one of the five that, that help people live longer. I, I was just stunned when I'd, I'd, I'd written a couple books about health and and I was stunned when I first did the research to find out that there you know there are five things that each of us can do that would predict living it's actually 12 to 14 years longer so right. 10 if we say 10 years we're actually underestimating okay it. and if we happen to have anyone listening who's 50 or or, or years old or older if you practice these five things you'll live almost 50% longer than people who have the same age who don't do any of these things we're going to talk oh, that's about. Ex- so that's exciting. That's exciting. That is a yeah. huge deal. Now, before we get into the content and material for today, I want to go back to 1,500 babies being delivered. Uh, tell me what that was like. Well, it wasn't in one night. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping not. <laughs> it was It was one of my greatest joys yeah. in family medicine was being able to, to walk with a family from even before conception, through conception of that that little unborn baby, and then to be able to care uh, care for them during all of that prenatal period, and then to be there to attend the birth of of, of a little creature who had been oh. prayed for, hmm. you know, for months. And, and then as a family doctor, to be able to walk with that family through the stages of life was a, a dramatic and wonderful thing. In fact, Bill, the 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 my best-selling books actually are about those early years of practice. I practiced in a town called Bryson City in Western North Carolina in the Smokies. 
And so three books with the name Bryson City, Bryson City Tales, Bryson City Seasons, Bryson City Secrets, are all those stories of learning to be a young doctor, learning to be a family doctor, learning to be a husband and a, mm-hmm. and, and a father. But Bill, that little town of Bryson City had 900 people and 38 Baptist churches. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Well, you, oh, my. you are living a fine life doing amazing things. <laughs> And before we move on to the material, I, I, I have to ask you about your parents. Was was your dad a doctor? Where'd this come from? No, my my dad was a, a cartographer, a professor at, at at Harvard. Well, actually, we call Louisiana State University Harvard on the Bayou. <laughs> but, okay, uh, but Dad was a was a cartographer professor. He was beloved by his students, and but my mom was a nurse, and and it was. Uh, her, it was mom who first gave me kind of a respect and love for healthcare. She was an obstetrical nurse and she would come home. She worked uh three to 11 shift on weekends to supplement dad's professor's income. Mm-hmm. And whenever she got home after her 11 o'clock shift on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, she'd wake my brother, Billy and I up and she'd tell us about all the babies that she delivered. Oh, wow. So I didn't know really until medical school that doctors delivered babies. I thought nurses did because mom <laughs> always always talked about her babies. And a, and a quick funny story, my first year of medical school, excuse me, my third year of medical school, I was doing clinical rotations. My first clinical rotation was maternity care was obstetrics. And I got sent out to, I was in med school at LSU in New Orleans and was sent out to a little hospital in Lafayette. And uh, when we got when I got there, along with my my colleague students, the head nurse sat us down, gave us an orientation. But as she dismissed the other students, she said, Mr. Laramore, I need you to stay. I thought, oh, my gosh, what did I do? And she (laughs) sat me down and she said, I want you to know that your mama called me. And she told me that if you do not write legibly, if you do not say yes, ma'am and no, ma'am, to my staff, if you do not clean up after yourself, uh, and if you show any disrespect to any patient, I am to call her. Oh, wow. And she's asked me to have you be the first the first medical student on call, so you'll be on call tonight. And she's asked me to have you sleep on a patient gurney. Your mom wants you to know what it feels like to be a patient. Isn't that wow. wonderful? Wow. I mean, That's spectacular. What a what a start. Yeah. But a real quick bunny child. Dad was I've cut dad died in 03. And I learned that he was the youngest ever graduate of Army Officer Candidate School. He was the youngest frontline officer in World War II. Wow. He was one of the most decorated soldiers in World War II. And I've just learned today that he's been nominated, along with Audie Murphy, to be in the 3rd Infantry Division Hall of Fame. And Bill, last, if I can just toot his horn for Please a minute. Please do. Last April... My book about him, it took 16 years of research, but that book came out. It's called At First Light. And if any of our listeners are interested in World War II or if they like horse stories or if they like romance, uh, At First Light would be a a joy for them. It's about the battles uh, of the Southern Front in World War II, which have been completely forgotten. Northern Front had one D-Day, of course, Normandy. The Southern Front guys had five D-Days. Mm-hmm. Northern Front fought for 336 horrible days, but the Southern Front fought for 912 days. And so 
Uh, anyone interested in World War II or interested in the Southern Front or interested in a, a young army officer at First Light is available. It is a great book, and we, we did talk about that. At, we had a full interview, a full hour on it, and, and I just, I'll, I'll do it again with you sometime because it is a fascinating book. Oh, in fact, he, uh, I learned today that he was going to be in the um, 3rd Infantry Division Hall of Fame. They've also, his highest award of valor was his Singer Service Cross. Um, he won every other award of valor except the Medal of Honor. But today I learned that they're going to uh, apply formally for his Distinguished Service Cross to be advanced to a Medal of Honor, <laughs> posthumous Medal of Honor. I don't know if that'll happen, but you're the first person to know that. I just received spectacular news. Thank you for so thank you, Bill, that. for your original interview and for letting me do that very quick bunny trail here on our first day of summer in Colorado. I, I know, I know. And I'm not done being on the bunny trail. All right, let me, this is just a pop quiz, odd facts known by few, and uh, no pressure if you don't know this answer, but the first U.S. president to be born in a hospital. Oh, I have no idea. Jimmy Carter. Really? Yeah. Oh, that, that's almost shocking, isn't it? Yeah, I was shocked too. I thought, yeah, yeah, goodness, and yeah. hopefully none of them were dropped at delivery. That was always <laughs> one of the rules of OB: you don't fumble. Oh, <laughs> oh, that's got to be pressure filled. Those slippery little babies. Yeah. Oh, why can they be? Yeah. Well, thank you for that uh, that story, and thank you for um, I've loved hearing about it. I think what we'll do is we'll just take our, our first little early break, and then come back and get to our our business at hand, which are. Five things you can do to extend your life. Dr. Walt Larimore is my guest. And as we get started, uh, I'll also let you know you can open up for a question. If you want to send uh, Dr. Walt Larimore a question about anything you hear, let me know what it is. 877-933-2484. The Bible is valuable, and reading and studying the Bible can transform your life. Hi, I'm Angela Smith, host of Reading the Bible Together podcast. Several times a year, we release a new Reading the Bible Together study. We've studied Luke, Daniel, Advent, Lent, and so many more. You can access all of our studies for free by going to the Reading the Bible Together resource page at myfaithradio.com. In addition to the studies, we also have the accompanying podcast. You can listen wherever you listen to podcasts. You can study on your own, or if your small group or Bible study is looking for what to study next, check out the Reading the Bible Together resource page at myfaithradio.com. I'm back with Dr. Walt Laramore, and we're talking today about five things you can do to extend your life 12, 14 years plus. That's what we're saying. And we're, um, I'm delighted, Walt, that you're bringing this content to the show today. And I think everyone's very interested in what you're going to say. Well, and, and as another intro to it, as people look at at life and how it it might end uh, if there's no accident at the end. Uh, people are concerned, and they should be about: Can I prevent premature death? Sure. Can I prevent a, a premature cardiovascular death? Can I prevent Alzheimer's or dementia? Can I prevent cancer? 
And and Bill, people who practice these five habits that we're going to talk about, um, well, let me do it the other way. People who choose not to do these five things, they make up about um, three quarters of people who have premature cardiovascular deaths. Okay, they make up about half of people who have premature deaths from cancer, and they make up uh, over forty percent of people with Alzheimer's and dementia. So, but these the Premature death, premature cardiovascular death, Alzheimer's can be significantly reduced about by the five things we're going to talk about. Not by supplements, not by vitamin water, you know, but by simple, well, consistent lifestyle changes. And those are the those are the five things. Okay. So let's, yeah. let's let me just name them out real quick. Okay. It's going to raise a lot of questions in people, but okay. if you have never used tobacco, never smoked. If you have maintained a normal weight, if you participate in about 30 minutes of activity, at least five days a week, 150 minutes mm -hmm. a week, drink no alcohol or limited alcohol and consume a high quality, nutritious diet. Those are the five things that if you do those things, then your life expectancy, boom, increases just with those decisions and bill of course that raises the question to our in our listeners mind well what if i don't do all five what mm -hmm. if i do four what if i do three you don't get as much benefit but you still get benefit and for the listener who says well what about me i'm not doing any of those things can i start them at any point in life and the I, the answer is absolutely yes if you start today if you say, I want to begin to have these five disciplines, these five lifestyles in my life, the impact of that begins fairly quickly within weeks. Wow. So, Walt, this is really happy news. It's great news, but yeah. it's not going out into the supplement store and buying a bunch of supplements, which, oh, by the way, is particularly dangerous in America because those supplements are not regulated in any way mm -hmm. in our country. But these require effort. You don't swallow a pill once a day, but you've got to make some decisions that that I'm going to change my lifestyle. I'm going to change my family's lifestyle. If you're a parent or a grandparent, I'm going to impact my children and my grandchildren, not only by what I say, but by what I do. Mm -hmm. All right. Walt, should we go in order or should we go from uh, easiest to hardest or how do you want to do this? Your call. You're the host. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I'd say let's start with the easiest thing just to get people eased into the conversation. Uh, of the five, what you would know, you say I, is I the easiest? I imagine that would be for most of our audience, um, not drinking alcohol or limiting alcohol. Um, the, the, the researchers talk about moderate alcohol intake. And, and I think that's a confusing term to a lot of people because what – what does moderate mean? And I think it actually means very limited alcohol. For a woman, that means no more than than one alcoholic alcohol drink uh, most of the days of the week. For a man, it means no more than two. We know that 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 even small amounts of alcohol can disturb sleep, can affect mental health, can increase risk for some types of cancer. For a woman, more than one drink a day can increase her risk of breast cancer. Um, it can also affect brain health. It can affect uh, risk of dementia. But what do, what do they mean by 
you know, moderate alcohol mm-hmm. or minimum alcohol. Well, it would be uh, the equivalent of, uh, say, a 12-ounce beer at an average of about 5% alcohol mm-hmm. or, or perhaps five ounces of, of table wine at about 12% alcohol or about one and a half ounces of a distilled of a distilled spirit. Mm-hmm. There's increase. We thought in the past that a small amount of alcohol per day, moderate, would give some cardiovascular benefit. And there's great debate in the literature now about whether that's true or not. There's some studies saying it's actually no alcohol that has the best cardiovascular benefit. Uh, there's still some that say, well, a little bit won't do harm and, and may help you. But I, I think particularly for women, the concern about one drink a day increasing breast cancer risk and uh, but one drink a day reducing cardiovascular risk, women are in general more concerned about breast cancer, but in fact, cardiovascular disease, so heart attack, stroke, heart failure, um, is the leading cause of death among women and is actually about four or five times more likely to to lead to premature death than, than breast cancer is. So yeah, if you choose no alcohol, that's a fine, healthy decision. You can choose that starting today. If you choose, if you feel you have a freedom in that area, uh, for, for those in our audience who are of faith based, if you have a freedom in that area, then moderate, moderate uh, drinking would be a maximum of 14 drinks a week for men and seven drinks a week for women. Mm-hmm. Dr. Walt Laramore is my guest. You can learn more about him at drwalt.com. Well, what is it about specifically about alcohol that is uh, bad for your your health? It well, it's a it's a toxin. Okay. And so it has effects on actual cells. Oh, wow. It's the liver, the blood vessels, the brain. And so and people have a great deal of variation in how their body re- responds to it. So uh that's why multiple studies in multiple countries over multiple years have looked at, well, just how much is toxic to the average person? And that's where they came up, Bill, with the idea of this, what they call moderate drinking. I think we should probably talk about minimal uh, minimal drinking. Uh, but perhaps the most danger to society is uh, the the driver who's drinking of or the worker who's drinking, who not only can harm themselves, but can also harm others. And I, I think across my career, the, the patients that I have had who've had the most regret have been those who have, you know, felt like they were sober, had had a drink or two, and then ended up in an accident that that harmed or killed someone else. It's it's a disaster that can be prevented. But but the long-term health. That may be one of the of the easiest of of those five. If I had to choose the second place one, I think that would probably be nutrition. Okay. Uh, um, about beginning to think in terms of how do I have a healthful diet? How do I choose healthy protein instead of unhealthy protein? Healthy carbohydrates instead of unhealthy carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. Healthy fats instead of unhealthy fats, and perhaps the most important in this country, is avoiding processed food, especially mm-hmm. ultra-processed food. Okay. Now, Walt, have you had your dinner yet tonight? No, I haven't. We're going out with some folks here in a little bit, right after I finish talking. Okay. Well, then at least tell me what you had for breakfast and lunch. 
Okay, good. Omit, good omit no practice, details. Do I practice what I preach? <laughs> so I, I have two mentors. Both are in their 90s. Um, those who've read my books know about Bill Bill um, Judge down in Kissimmee, Florida, who's been my mentor since uh, 1985. Bill's uh, 95 years old. And my second mentor is a retired NFL coach by the name of Bob Lord. Bob's 92 years old. And we had breakfast this morning at a, a local Greasy Spoon. Mm-hmm. And I had oatmeal, as as did Bob. I had it with some skim milk. And then I, the restaurant didn't have fresh fruit. So I always, when I go to this, the omelets, et cetera, <laughs> I always have, uh, bring some blueberries, some raspberries, and some blackberries. Uh, instead of sweetening it with brown sugar, yep. I used a little uh, artificial sweetener, just a touch of, of that. Uh, and then for lunch, Barb and I went out with a, a couple that that we love, that we're having a chance to build a relationship with. And we went to a restaurant and we looked through the different items. And so what we had was uh, some whole wheat toast that has some avocado on it and some cheese on it. And, um, uh, oh, and then uh, a side of uh, a fresh fruit with that. And tonight, I don't know what the couple's going to serve to us. But do we have a hamburger once in a while? Absolutely. Do we have fried chicken once in a while? (laughs) Absolutely. But overall, we've begun to practice what U.S. News & World Reports calls the most nutritious diet plan, nutrition plan in America. And this has been every every year, Bill, January, U.S. News & World Report reports on all of the diet fads, all of the plans, but the Mediterranean style diet has been their number one diet. It's a diet. Now, every country around the Mediterranean is different. Spain's different than Italy's, different from Israel, different from Tunisia, different from Greece. But all of them have an emphasis on fruits and vegetables, fish, whole grains, beans, nuts. All of them are low in in, in red meat, low in dairy products. Um, But the Mediterranean diet has for years been the best diet overall, the best diet for healthy eating, the best diet for losing weight, and the easiest and least expensive of those to follow. Mm -hmm. Walt, is rice good or bad for you? Well, you know, there's good rice and there's bad rice, if you would. Okay. But starches can be good, but because processed food in general tends to strip uh, foods of nutrients. So the unprocessed rices, the brown rices, the long grain rices, uh, and, and rice alternates, whether it's quinoa, there's other grains that can be highly healthy. And so whole grains are are nutritious for people who can tolerate them. But looking for the unprocessed varieties as opposed to, say, the white rice may be more highly healthy. Mm-hmm. All right. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to continue five things you can do to extend your life 12, 14 years, especially if you're over 50. Do I have that right, Walt? <laughs> well, it helps everyone, but yeah, of course, helps especially everyone. those of us yeah. who are a little bit more mature. Awesome. Okay. If you have a question or comment, you can send it over 877-933-2484. So the two that we've discussed so far is no alcohol and then uh, uh, consume a high-quality diet. So we're going to continue with three more when we come back and we'll probably have time for your questions because there are several coming in. So we will uh, be right back. And if you want to learn what the Bible says about forgiveness and why forgiving yourself or people that you have hurt 
is so important and, and take practical steps, you can find some great resources. There's podcasts, there's articles, and there's videos to help you find healing and peace. And that makes for better health too. You can learn about that at myfaithradio.com. We'll be right back. You know, I'm not messing around today. I have Dr. Walt Larimore on. He was listed in Distinguished Physicians of America, the best doctors in America, who's who in, in America, who's who in medicine and healthcare. It goes on and on. He's an author. Uh, he's a family physician, retired now. He's an educator and a medical journalist. And we're learning today five things you can do that's going to extend your life and give you many, many more years of good health. So, uh, before we get back to the five, because we've got two down, um, I'm going to pop in a few questions here, Walt, if you don't mind. Because they're coming in fast and furious. Uh, wondering what are the best ways to naturally reduce cholesterol? I'm a 34-year-old slim, active male, but genetically have higher cholesterol. Yeah. Uh, Bill, I tell my patients that um, about half pe- half the people with high cholesterol Roughly, it's not diet related. It's genetic. Okay, so you've got genetic things, and and for people with genetic predisposition, certainly nutrition can be helpful. But most of those folks need to start thinking about a medication. Okay, for, for that, far and away the most effective medication for people with genetic tendency for high cholesterol, particularly if you've got the high lethal cholesterol, the LDL, mm-hmm. low density cholesterol, the lethal pillar cholesterol. Um, if, if you've got high levels of that, if you have low levels of the healthy cholesterol, the HDL cholesterol, um, the medications, the statin drugs, far and away the most effective and also the most inexpensive okay. because all the effective ones are generic now. And so mo- most of the drug plans you're looking at three bucks a month or, you know, uh, excuse me, 10 bucks, uh, a maximum of 10 bucks a month mm-hmm. uh, for those. There are supplements. Uh, red rice yeast is one that's effective. And the reason that it's effective, if you can find good product, the reason it's effective is because it contains statins in it. <laughs> so uh, the, the FDA has, has got some consternation with that because it's basically a prescription drug in a, in a natural form. For those who who do not have the genetic uh, form of high cholesterol, the first step, according to the American Heart Association, American College of Cardiology, the first step is nutrition, eating a, a, a highly healthy, nutritious diet plan, losing weight with, of course, uh, uh, nutrition can help, and, and exercise. And so for my patients, I almost always have them visit a registered nutritionist dietitian mm-hmm. to review what they like to eat, how they eat, when they eat, how much they eat, and to uh, have a professional adapt a nutrition plan specifically for them and their family. And if that brings the levels down, 
normal, hallelujah, fantastic, wonderful, keep it up, because those are two of the things to help you live longer. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't, then adding medication is an option, but only an option after nutrition, weight loss, and exercise. Okay, one more quick question, and then we'll get back to our five. Um, um, 83 years old, could stand to lose a few pounds. What do you think about intermittent fasting? Well, interesting data. I mean, there's there's uh, some people that do well with intermittent fasting. There's some people that don't do so well. There's some studies supporting it. There's some studies not. And it depends on how you define intermittent fasting. But I, I tell patients that if intermittent fasting is of value to you, not only physically, but emotionally and spiritually, then absolutely make that one of your spiritual and physical disciplines. It doesn't necessarily mean fasting of all food. It may mean fasting of certain types of food, and it may not mean fasting of food at all. It may be fasting from the smartphone, fasting from Mm -hmm. from, uh, social media, fasting from screen time, uh, fasting from hobbies so that you can have more time for a spouse or for loved ones. And so I'm I'm in favor of healthful fasting. And at drwalt.com, I've got a number of articles on how to do that. Nice. All right. Well, let's get back to the five things we can do to improve our life, our health. Um, so we started with uh, no alcohol and then went to consume a high quality diet. What should we do next? Well, let's just go in and get smoking out of the way, tobacco use out okay. of the way. I don't think there's a listener in our entire audience that doesn't know that 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 tobacco use, that smoking, is, you know, is incredibly harmful. Mm-hmm. Never smoking is obviously the best, and but if you have smoked or you are smoking, then stopping as quickly as as you can. Our country's learned this. We're now at the lowest level of of smokers that we've had in in recorded history. But not just cigarettes, we're talking about vaping, we're talking about cigarellos, hookahs, cloves, menthol cigarettes. Mm -hmm. According to the American Cancer Society, all of those are uh, extremely harmful. Some people think, well, maybe vaping is going to be healthier. And there's just no evidence that that's true. Uh, American Cancer Society says there is no safe form of tobacco, and smoking is the leading cause of preventable disease. It's the leading cause of preventable death in the U.S. counts for about one in five deaths. And so if you have not had victory in that area, talking to your healthcare professional about tools that they have that can help you not only stop this horrible habit, but prevent the the secondhand smoke that that you have that can harm those around you, and even the thirdhand smoke that you carry on your clothing that can be harmful to your children and to your grandchildren. Mm-hmm. What about chewing tobacco? I assume that's bad too. It is, and it's not only because the the, the carcinogenic products still get into your system, and then you have the issues of of oral health. We now know there's this term bill called microbiome. So it's the the healthy bacteria that live in our gut, Mm -hmm. the healthy bacteria that live on our skin, but there's healthy bacteria that live in our mouth. And so people who have, for example, periodontitis or have damage to the gums from chewing tobacco have an increased risk. If it's a woman, increased risk of 
labor difficulties and premature birth. Uh, for people in general, there's an increased cardiovascular risk from periodontitis. So wow. avoiding tobacco, the, the, of course, the oral cancer risk goes up with uh, even, even the little snuff packets. The oral cancer risk can go up. But it does bring up one uh, other healthful activity that we can that we can have and that's to to visit our dentist to visit the dental hygienist once or twice a year to be sure that that we have a healthy healthy dental health if you would mm -hmm. there's another question i have osteoporosis so what is the best way for my body to get more calcium it's nutrition okay in fact uh, this will be a shock to most of our listeners because the best way to get calcium is not calcium supplements there's now concerns that calcium supplements can lead to cardiovascular death, increased heart attack risk, increased stroke risk. That's not true of nutritional calcium. Interesting. That we so the American Osteoporosis Association now says to get that 1,000 to 1,200 milligrams of calcium, if you can avoid supplements and do it with nutrition, it may be calcium-fortified milk, it may be calcium a fortif fortified milk substitutes like almond milk or, or or soy milk, if you would. It may be uh, calcium fortified foods or calcium heavy foods. In fact, uh, most even with bad diets, most Americans can get about uh, 250 to 500 milligrams of calcium a day. <clears throat> the rest that can come from nutrition, you can almost get it with breakfast. Uh, now, I told you I had oatmeal today, but normally my breakfast is uh, a quarter cup of, of rolled oats, organic oats, a quarter cup of, uh, of, a, of, a, of a brand cereal. Uh, I put in some pecans, put in some blueberries, and, and uh, put in some raspberries or blackberries if we have them. Uh, use a milk substitute, a calcium-fortified milk substitute. And and then a, a little bit of orange juice. I, I, it's not necessarily the healthiest juice, but calcium fortified whole pulp orange juice. And and I love that breakfast. Bill Judge, my mentor, taught that to me when mm. he first poured some some oats in with with. I thought, oh, that's going to be horrible. It's going to be like eating newspaper. But I tried it. I liked it. But that's about 1,500 milligrams of calcium. And so you may have to do the vitamin D with a supplement. If you have osteoporosis, you may need to want to use one of the osteoporotic medications. You do want to exercise because that, that helps our bone health. But if you can get your calcium through nutrition as opposed to supplements, that's healthier. Yeah. Well, you've talked about breakfast twice today, but you've not mentioned coffee. Are you for it or against it? I'm more of a tea guy. I, okay. I Bill, several years ago, I drank some Earl Grey and I fell in love with it. Okay. But I'm, Louisiana, I'm a Louisiana boy. I grew up with coffee and I make Barb a cup of coffee every day. I have no problem. Coffee is high in antioxidants. People that have four or five cups a day of coffee have improved brain health. They have reduced dementia. They have reduced diabetes. They have reduced cardiovascular disease. Wow. And so coffee is actually a highly healthy, uh, high oxidant uh, drink. Once you start getting above about five cups a day, there can be caffeine issues that some people have, but it's a healthy one. Just want to be careful with the milk products you use or with the sugar. If you can stay away from those, that keeps coffee healthier. Mm -hmm. Good question. Uh, thank you, Dr. Walt Laramore is my guest. You can go to drwalt.com and learn more about him and his amazing uh, practice and his books and articles. We are talking today about five things you can do to extend your life. And 
we just finished the smoking one. So what is next, Walt? Let's see. I guess we we um, maybe we can combine the next two, Bill, because okay. we talked about the, the diet. We've talked about no alcohol, alcohol, and we've talked about avoiding tobacco or stopping tobacco. The the fourth and fifth one would be maintaining a normal weight or getting your weight at, as close to normal as you can and exercising okay movement uh getting up off your tush and participating in at least 30 minutes of movement of exercise at least five days a week about 150 minutes uh uh a week of movement and bill any movement is better than no movement in fact i uh, there are researchers now that talk about the leading killer in america being a new disease they're calling sit-itis <laughs> right i've heard about that yeah. yeah i mean the average american now is on their behind yeah uh, 12 to 14 hours a day the average office worker is sitting uh at work 10 hours a day uh and so uh even just being at the office and just standing uh, two hours a day uh, of your of your day can imp- produce can improve your health. Um, having walking meetings, standing meetings, standing mm-hmm. and walking during phone calls, walking at lunch, parking further away—it just tickles me. Watching people at the mall drive and drive, drive and drive, so they can be within fifty feet of the store. Go out to the edge of the parking lot and park, and then walk in. Uh, so, so getting your movement up, it can be gardening. Uh, it can be taking a walk with a loved one. Uh, people who have dogs walk more than people who don't have dogs because you got to get up and walk. And, and even Hippocrates said, walking is man's best medicine. And science and Dr. Walker agrees, you don't have to be a marathon runner. You don't have to run sprints. Uh, I mean, if, if you run, that's fabulous. That's great. If you bike, that's fabulous. But literally getting up and getting outdoors. The Japanese have a discipline they call forest bathing. And they put into action Romans chapter one without knowing it. Getting out into nature, getting out onto a trail and just bathing in God's creation as you exercise. And you say, well, gosh, well, I live in the inner city. I can't do that. Yeah, you can. Even finding a park, even finding a green space that you could sit down for lunch has that mental, relational, and physical benefit. So whatever way, whatever way you can start building up that muscle activity, um, cardi- uh, certainly if you if you want to work out at a gym or or lift weights and build up your muscles, that's fine because muscle mass burns calories just just by itself. But beginning to think about how do I prevent my heart, prevent heart attacks, prevent dementia, prevent strokes, prevent diabetes? That exercise and diet together are a wonderful way to do it. Mm-hmm. Bill, about two thirds of Americans now are either overweight or obese, but we know that even for our listeners who are morbidly obese, or even for our listeners who are obese, that even dropping five, seven percent of your weight has almost instantaneous health benefits. And so you may not get back down to your wedding dress or, or wedding tux or our service uniform size, 
But if you can reduce, for those who are listening who are obese or overweight, if you can begin the reducing that with nutrition, with exercise, it's going to pay long-term benefits. Okay. I'm going to take a break. When I come back, Walt, I've got to ask you a question about bathing in the outdoors. I know what you meant by that, but I've got a follow-up question for that. Dr. Walt Laramore is my guest. We're talking about five things you can do to extend your life. You can learn more about Walt at drwalt.com. We'll be right back. Faith Radio and Afternoons with Bill podcasts are available because of listener support. If you are a supporter, thank you so much. Becoming a supporter today by visiting myfaithradio.com. Dr. Walt Laramore is my guest today. You can learn more about him at drwalt.com. So, Walt, when you're talking about, about going out in the great outdoors and basking uh, in that light and in that outdoor energy, what about sunscreen? Oh, that's a great question, Bill. In fact, um, people you know love to get tanned and uh, people who have less melanin in their skin love to to get those tans and and it's now the researchers are fairly clear that no amount of of tanning is healthy for the skin it's damaging to the skin and so uh, if you want to reduce your risk of not only skin cancer but of skin aging mm-hmm. thinning skin premature wrinkling uh, of the skin then and in fact for all of our listeners just the proof of of sun damage is if just look at your forearm if you got a long sleeve shirt just lift it up and look at the top of your forearm and look at that at your skin no matter how old you are look at your skin and then turn your hand over so that your palm is up and look at the under forearm and look at that skin in virtually 100% of people the the underside of the forearm the palm side of the forearm has much healthier skin because it's had less sun exposure. Mm-hmm. And so what can you do to reduce that sun aging, that, that photo aging effect, and, and simply using a sunscreen? I My rule for it is I call it the 2020 rule. To use a sunscreen with an SPF, a sun protective factor of 20, apply it at least 20 minutes before you go out because it has to activate. Mm-hmm. And so for Barb and I, we use a moisturizing cream that has an SPF of 20 associated with it. And every morning it's on my face, every morning it's on my my arms. And now in, in my aging, my my I'm a little bit drier skin down on my feet and legs. So I apply it there, even though they're not sun exposed. But people often come out, they'll look at my picture and say, My gosh, you look 20 years younger than you are. Well, nutrition does that, not smoking does that. But protecting your skin from sun can do that too, Bill. So that's it's an important question. I'm glad you asked. Mm-hmm. What is your thoughts on sleep medications? People have a hard time getting to sleep and staying asleep. The American Sleep Association now says, and I agree, anything that you can do to avoid sleep medications, you should. Okay. That, that finding a sleep hygiene 
that works for you instead of a medication. In fact, most of the common sleep medications, Ambien, for, for example, have a little block box warning saying they shouldn't be used more than seven to 10 days. And there's people that are on them chronically. And so sometimes for most, most of my patients who are really wrestling with sleep. I need to send them, and we've got several in Colorado saying sleep, sleep specialists who mm -hmm. are psychologists who will review lifestyle with, with those patients, review sleep habits, and help them develop sleep hygiene. Some of the common sleep hygiene, sleeping in a room that is as free of light as possible, the mm -hmm. darker, the better. Having a set time that you go to sleep every night, not exercising before sleep, not watching TV or a screen before sleep, not eating chocolate within six hours or caffeine within six hours of sleep. Having a, a, a period where you just slow down, maybe you meditate, maybe you read, maybe you pray before you go to sleep, a consistent bedtime. These are all some of the sleep hygiene habits that are available that can almost not immediately, but very quickly help you begin to have better sleep habits. If you can't do it on your own, then having a sleep specialist help you. And it's usually only one one or two visits with mm -hmm. that, that specialist. Mm -hmm. Well, what about is soy bad for men? In, in general, no, uh, nor nor women, as long as it's a... Uh, a soy food, if you would. Soy supplements are much more controversial, um, and, and supplements in general, I think, are and, and even multivitamins are somewhat controversial. But um, for for those who would like more information than we're able to talk, uh, uh, you know, about today in our time, it, for for this particular topic, you know, the five habits that that uh, can help you live longer. I, I was um, with a organization called Liftable TV last year. I did a, a, oh, I don't know, I probably did 60 programs for them, and they've very kindly uh, given me copies of those programs. So the particular program I did, Living Longer and Better, Five Habits to Live 10 Years or More Longer, is available now on, on my website. You can go to drwalt.com. There's no charge at nice. all. Click on, click on the blogs. All of my Ask Dr. Walt television shows are, are, are being posted. They're posting one a week. And the very first one, Bill, was the one we're doing now, Five Habits to Live 10 Years awesome. Longer. And you can go to the website. You can click on the show. It's about 25, 28 minutes, something like that. Watch it at your convenience. If you don't like video, the transcript of the entire program is available at, at the bottom of the blog for you. For those who like books, um, a, a chapter of my book, uh, Fit Over 50, um, is, uh, is on these five habits. And then for those who are under 50, although the Fit Over 50 book is good if you're 30, good if you're 40, good <laughs> if you're 50, mm -hmm. talks about how to be healthy physically, emotionally, relationally, and spiritually. But my most popular health book, uh, it's called 10 Essentials of Happy, Healthy People. And essential number one is having balanced health and having these life lifestyle habits, if you would. But other habits we've talked about, um, um, you know, uh, preventing disease. Bill, you mentioned about the, the, the resources that you guys have there at the network for, for practicing forgiveness. Yeah. It's one of the 
one of the biggies and avoiding depression, relationships, family, true spirituality, your your self-image, your hopes and dreams, being your own healthcare quarterback. All of these principles are discussed in 10 Essentials of Happy, Healthy People. And they're all available at, at most of the better bookstores. And I, I guess, you know, we only got a minute or so left, but but God gave us... Our pastors talk about the three T's, you know, uh, a time and treasure and talent. But I had a fourth one, the temple of the Holy Spirit that God has given us to steward. And so that's been kind of my whole thing. Yes, spiritual health is critical. Paul says physical health is of some benefit, but spiritual health is for benefit in this life and the next. Absolutely. But our audience can do things to improve their physical health, which will improve their relational health, their emotional health. And it's habits that can we can pass on to our children and our and our grandchildren. If the Lord tarries, uh, the church is physically unhealthy, Bill. And I'm so grateful for the opportunity we've had to help our brothers and sisters become a little bit more highly healthy. Well, absolutely. And Walt, you know, if you are in better health and have more energy, you can you can be of greater service to the kingdom. Without question, we yeah. can do that volunteer work and that ministerial work right. that God uses to raise fruit in us and through us to know him more deeply and to know him more sweetly. Yeah, so good. Walt, you've been a, just a delight. I love having you on the show, and I know you've got a busy schedule, and I appreciate you taking the time to uh, be with me today. Oh, it's an honor and a treat. I guess Thanks. we could add the 11th essential of happy, healthy people is listening to you, Bill, every Thanks. day. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Walt. I feel way much, way better now. Have a great rest yes, of the day yes. and enjoy your dinner with friends tonight. Enjoy that fellowship and uh, eat healthy. Thank you, Bill. All right. Blessings. Blessings. Dr. Walt Larimore has been my guest. We talked today about uh, five things you can do differently to live uh, an extended life. And you can find all of that available at drwalt.com. Again, that's drwalt.com. That is our show for the day. Thank you so much. Uh, it's been a delight as always, and I look forward to spending time with you tomorrow. We're going to have another rousing two hours of Guy Talk tomorrow, so get your questions ready. The Power Panel will be in rare form tomorrow. So uh, have a great night, everyone, and we'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.